everyone, and welcome to episode 163 of Connectivity. I'm Scott Thompson. We've got two segments for you this week. Kicking the show off, myself, Alex, and Addison get together to talk about our favorite non-Tendo games from 2014. That will include games from PC, PS4, Vita, Xbox One, and probably other platforms that aren't Nintendo platforms. And then after that, uh, Neil and special guest Nick Olberg get together to talk about StreetPass communities, including StreetPass Princeton. Enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this segment of Connectivity. I'm Scott Thompson, and today I'm with Alex Coffey. Hello, hello. And Addison Webb. Howdy, howdy. And in this segment, and you know, I was almost going to call it a bonus segment, but I don't know where it's going to be placed in the show. It might actually be a real segment, depending on what we have this week. Um, but it is not really about Nintendo. Um, this is our top non-Tendo games of the year. Um, we've been doing this a few years now. It's kind of a chance to, uh, I guess put the spotlight on some games that are on non-Nintendo systems, uh, that maybe you've missed or maybe you've also played and just kind of want to hear our opinion of and things like that. Um, I know we, we generally talk other platforms when we do our what we've been playing. So it's not like we go a whole year without talking about something that's on, you know, Xbox or PS4, but it, it's a nice chance to kind of recap and just get an idea of what everyone thought about, uh, games that weren't on Nintendo systems. Um, so we've each got three games we're going to talk about. Um, I've also got games from Zach and Neil. Uh, they were supposed to be here tonight, but then both of them had different things going on and couldn't make it. So, uh, we'll save theirs for the end and just give a quick readown. So we're going to get started with our number three picks for the year. And you know what? Let's go ahead and start with Addison. Sure. My number three game of the year is for the PlayStation Vita and it is Freedom Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, are y'all familiar with that title? I have it, and I've played it for like an hour and a half, and I really want to get back into it. So I really want you to sell me on this game right now. Well, do you like uh, Monster Hunter? Eh. See, that's kind of the way... <laughs> Strike one. <laughs> that's kind of the way I was, too. I'm like, this game seems like it's meant for me, but it just never really caught my interest. Right. No, Exactly. And Freedom Wars is Monster Hunter, but with a more interesting setting and a story that's pretty interesting, and the combat's a little more fun, in my opinion. So Uranus is, like, dystopian future where just, like, supplies of resources are drained so so much that if you aren't seen as somebody who can really add to society too much, you're known as a sinner, and you pretty much have to live in prison and do these missions to serve your... Panopticon is what it's called. It's just like it's, your it's basically anime North Korea, right? So <laughs> yeah, so you're like progressing through this game. You go on these missions. They're like Monster Hunter. You have to like take down these giant robots who've captured a person who's considered actually worth something, and you have to rescue them. And by doing that, you get points which you can use to buy more privileges through the government. Like one of them is being able to walk outside your cell, um, being able to pace around the room. That was the first time I got a, like a demeanor in the game. It's, I was walking around the room and it's like, oh, five more years in prison. You don't have the right to pace around your room. <laughs> right. It's, uh, I, I guess just, uh, just to give the actual like synopsis for this game. It starts like every other Japanese game, your character who has amnesia. <laughs> And yep. you have to deal with it. <laughs> but the game, because it's anime North Korea, you're seen as useless because you uh you can't 
work because you have amnesia and you wasted all of the knowledge they gave you. So mm-hmm. they give you a one million year prison sentence. And the way you work this off is by fighting monsters, by working with the army, by building yourself up. And then as you complete missions, the way you progress through the game is by, you did this mission, so 500 years are knocked off. You did this mission, so 300 years are knocked off. And then, like like Addison was, was saying, the privileges you get are crazy. Because I think there's one scene very early in the game where you try to fall asleep sitting down, and the game gives you 10 years. Yes, uh, yep. In addition to your sentence. It's... It's a super goofy premise, but super cool, too. You have to get the right to recline. It reminds yeah. me of uh, of Animal Crossing, like having to pay off, pay off your mortgage. Uh, you know, yeah. the, the older Animal Crossing games, that you start the game with this huge debt that you're just working to overcome. Well, that's a good uh, equivalence. Yeah, Tom Nook's an angel, comparatively, though. <laughs> well, yeah, he didn't, like, uh, increase your interest rate because you slept sitting up. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, eventually, like, you unlock enough privileges to where the game gives you, like, a test to see if you can, like, move on to the next level. And then you get more privileges. You get a nicer cell and all that stuff. The online mode is actually really fun. I've had a lot of fun playing on that. Getting to... What's what's the combat like? I mean, is it just like Monster Hunter? It's like third-person shooting. And you have this, like, vine-type whip that you use to, like, latch on to things. It's... Whichever, there's three different types of whips. There's one that makes, like, a shield. There's one that does healing. And there's one that's, like, an attack one. And that kind of determines your class by which one you choose. And I've been kind of doing, like, the DPS class because that seems like it's the easiest way to progress through the single player. Yeah, so it's uh, a lot of third-person shooting and you get melee weapons, too, if you, like... It's like, I think the combat could be described as similar to, like, Earth Defense Force, if either of you guys have ever tried that. Yeah. Like, it's, it's a very simple third-person shooter, but sure. this is a little more technical, I, I think. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a cool game. I want to get back into it. Does the combat get easier to deal with, Addison? That's what I want to know, because early on, the controls, I wouldn't necessarily call them unwieldy, but <laughs> they, they did bother me. Uh, like, they didn't feel necessarily right for a third-person shooter. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I definitely do. Um, I think it's when you get more comfortable with just kind of things that are going on, it gives you more time to think about what you're doing, and then the controls just kind of fall into place after that, but it definitely took a few hours before. The melee definitely felt weird at first. Yeah. It's just cool. You're kind of smashing the button, but you get it figured out. Excellent. All right. Cool. Uh, Alex, why don't you go ahead and go next? My number three game of the year is The Walking Dead Season 2. Oh. And uh, this, I, I, I'm i going to say this. Every criticism people have of The Walking Dead Season 2 is accurate. Uh, the people saying that The Walking Dead Season 2 isn't nearly as tight as the original season. It doesn't have a consistent plot like the uh, the original Walking Dead season has. And frankly, it doesn't really have much of a plot at all. It has a bunch of, like, smaller plots that uh, carry you through the season. The characters aren't as strong, especially the ones that aren't Clementine, for the most part. And uh, all this stuff, most of it's correct. But at the same time, the writing and the stories that they do put in in the apocalyptic world they build, 
it's so fucking good. Like, it's every sing at the end of every single episode, regardless of how shitty it is compared to the first season, I was hooked. I was speculating about the next episode. I was hooked on to seeing what was going to happen next. And, like, me and my cousin, who were playing it at the same time, we were like, oh, I wonder if this is going to happen. I wonder if this is going to happen. So, the way I was, I felt playing The Walking Dead Season 1, I felt this here, too. And it did do some things that I think were uh, a significant improvement over The Walking Dead Season 1. I think the game plays much better. Uh, I think they made the game tech- more technically proficient. It also looks a lot better. Yeah. Did you play the full season, Scott? I know. In fact, I haven't touched any of season two, but I've seen like screenshots and trailers, and I mean, it looks it does look a lot better than um, than season one, which I did play all of. Okay. Um. Yeah. I'm like. I'm at some point. You know, this will be on a Steam sale, and I'll end up downloading it and playing through it. It's kind of weird because like with with season one, I I really loved it and adored it. I thought the storytelling was great. But it was the kind of game where, like, I'd finish a chapter and I almost, like, dreaded starting the next one because, um, you know, just because, like, it, it's such, like, a kind of, not scary, but, like, almost depressing game in it's a way. It's wildly depressing, but that's yeah. also one of the things that makes it so good is how, like, well they capture that post-apocalyptic depression. Right. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I agree. And, like, just that, like... That despair and like that really like just like hopelessness. <laughs> right. I mean, like as you get further from the season, I mean, really the only thing that can happen is it's like, well, more and more people will probably die. I mean, and it'll be in super depressing ways. Yeah. It's like the ones that have hope and the ones you love the most, they die in like. Of course. Well, it's like it, it's off the back of it. It's ridiculous how uh, how freely the game will let characters go at a moment's notice. But and then, yeah, yeah, that that makes it kind of true to like the the comic series and the TV series. Right, it's, it's like those uh, characters yeah. you love are are generally like the most vulnerable or most likely to die. Well, I wouldn't say um, the TV series because the TV series doesn't have any good characters anymore. Oh, <laughs> it's, it's in fact the TV series. I'm saying this as a really huge fan of The Walking Dead. The comic is amazing. I read it every yeah. week. And have do you read the comic? Uh, I used to. I haven't. It's probably been a few months or more. But, I, yeah, but I've read the majority of it. It's, it's in a golden good. age right now. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. It's, there was a time skip that was beautiful, and they just introduced one of the most amazing protagonists, like, 30 issues, uh, excuse me, antagonists, like, 30 issues ago, who, it's... Like, if you guys read the Walking Dead comic book, how fucking good is Negan? (laughs) Just anyways, I love the Walking Dead, even saying that the show is absolutely terrible. But uh, saying that, getting back to the game, getting back to the game, uh, the plot, I'm not going to say too much because I don't want to spoil it for you, and I know you do want to play it. They handle the ending way more gracefully in Season 2 than they did for Season 1. Oh, Uh, really? Season 1, like, it, it only had one ending. And I'm not going to say how season two ends, and I, I hope you didn't get it spoiled for you. No, I haven't, luckily. Uh, it has several wildly different endings. Oh, wow, okay. And uh, it's it, they're all super excellent. And then there's a super good antagonist who's halfway through the season who really stuck with me. Uh, he was, he's kind of like the game's version of the governor, but that's not really a spoiler. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, and then also I'm a huge fan of Kenny. And this was pretty much his season to shine, even more mm-hmm. than the first game. Like, as the season progressed, he became almost the main character more than Clementine, because everything was about his perspective sure. and the way he was... Car- I don't know. It's like, even for all the complaints you can make, it's still the Walking Dead game, and there's a reason why everyone... Or, 
a lot of people thought it was the best game of 2012. A lot right. of that is still here, regardless of those complaints. So that's that. Cool. Yeah, I'm excited to check that out. Um, so for me, my number three game of the year is Sports Friends, uh, which released for PS4 and PS3, and I think now is actually on uh, PC. Um, which is this like great collection of these four, yeah, four, right? Four. I think four. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, yeah, four. Um, just sort of like insane, super creative, um, mini games. And I almost don't even want to call them mini games because I mean, I guess they're, it, it basically just takes like one idea and runs with it, but they're not mini games in the sense that like you only play them for short little bursts. I mean, like you could sit down with one and play it with a group of friends for all night, really. Um, the, the standout is, uh, Johann Sebastian Joust. Um, Alex, did you, were you, did you play that with us I at did. PAX? Uh, well, I didn't, I don't think you were at PAX this year. No. Or this previous year. Uh, I did play some of it there, and that is a glorious multiplayer game, but I, I just, was that practical for you in a, in a home environment? Did you make well, that work? what actually ended up working, and I'll go ahead and spoil, this is on Zach's list, and he was able to do the same thing, um... The PS4 actually has surprising good range um, with its, uh, like, Bluetooth connections. Mm-hmm. And so my um, TV and PS4 are set up, like, in a room that is basically next to my backyard. Um, so my friends and I just opened the window so we could hear the music uh, so we knew when to, like, speed up and when to slow down and just played in my backyard all night. That's great. It was awesome, yeah. So, I mean, it was, like, pitch... I mean, it wasn't pitch black. I've got a porch light and stuff, but it was dark. And so, like, really all you saw was just, like, the glow of the bulbs on top of the uh, the move controllers, um, which was really fantastic. Um, so, Joust, for anyone who doesn't know, it's kind of hard to explain. I mean, all the games are kind of hard to explain. Um, but it, it uses move controllers, and you basically hold it in your hand, and there's music that's playing. this like, little classical music uh, musical track. And when it speeds up, you can move more quickly, and the uh, move controller is less sensitive. But when it slows down, the move controller becomes more sensitive. So you have to move slowly and keep your arm upright and not jerk your controller too much. Because if your controller does move uh, kind of frantically or jerk, uh, then it, it basically you're, you're knocked out of the game. Um, so what you do is it, it basically just turns into this, like kind of uh choreographed like fight scene like you'd see uh i don't know i in in the review i wrote for this game i likened it to like uh like a michael jackson uh, music video like the bad music <laughs> video where you're like like kind of walking around in circles like switchblades in each hand you know kind of like waiting to strike um you're basically just trying to like jolt your opponent's arm or body or something or just knock the remote uh enough to to just knock him out of the game um, so yeah, it's just, it's just super fun, and you get in all these situations where it's like, you dive to attack, your opponent moves, and then that leaves you vulnerable, so then your opponent gets you, um, and it's just, there's a lot of opportunities for, like, creative, uh, engagement in, like, this real open world space, um, so that's fantastic, and then, to me, the, the next best game is, uh, Bari Bari Ball, which is, like, volleyball meets Super Smash Brothers, um, you have, like, a ball that you're trying to throw in your opponent's, uh, side, of the level, it has to, like, fall in water and then sink to the bottom for you to score a point. Meanwhile, you can, like, attack and throw your opponent and do, like, combos and, and all kinds of crazy special moves, and it's it's really, really awesome. Um, is there any, uh, is there any online play for this? No, no, and so that's kind of one downside, and the other side, downside, too, would be that you just, you need a lot of hardware to really make the most of it. I mean, if you're going to play Joust, you obviously need, uh, move controllers, and to play any other games, you're going to need at least two, um, you know, DualShock controllers. 
Um, probably four if you really want to make the most of it, because but most of these games are best played with with four players. Um, so there there is definitely like a, a barrier to entry, I would say. Um, but if you can like overcome that, it's totally worth it. Um, and if you have a PS3 and a PS4, I would recommend the PS3 version because uh, little known fact, the PS3 can handle seven Bluetooth connections at once. You can get seven move controllers for Joust which is definitely the way to play, whereas the PS4 can only handle four Bluetooth connections at once, so you can only have four players at once. Um, I wonder why yeah. that is. I think that was a feature they, like, really pushed into the PS3. Like, look, like, this is awesome. Like, you can play a sports game, and, like, all your friends can play every, like, person on the field, basically, or on the court, and I don't think it was ever really utilized. Yeah. yeah, so it's just, okay, well, why don't we just make this cheaper um, sure. with PS4? Which is weird because now we know that like the Wii U can handle <laughs> eight connections. Well, yeah. I guess, but I guess four of those are wired, right? Because that would be four. Doesn't it take four GameCube controllers to play eight player Smash? Right. It's but I mean, because mm. right. Uh, so like four right. are wired, and then you've got four wireless connections. So even still, it's not letting you connect eight controllers. But I guess you can connect five because it lets you could you connect Wii eight Wii remotes? Would it allow you I to for everyone so. to play one? No, I don't think so. I, I think it's four GameCube controllers and then four, okay. uh, you know, the four wireless controllers. So Sure. I feel like this game would be best suited as, like, a mobile game that uses, like, the gyroscope in your phone, the accelerometer. That's kind that of interesting. That would be, like, such an easy way to get people in the play like oh yeah just but the only, the only thing is like you're like you're you know you're hitting the controllers and stuff like oh, are you gonna knock someone's 400 dollars iphone out of their hand onto the ground you know true. that but but that actually would be kind of genius right you um, need a wrist strap because th- that's one of the things that's super important about playing joust with uh the move controllers is that if you do knock it out of someone's hand it'll just swoop beneath the wrist because there's a strap attached and but honestly with the phone, that's super dangerous yeah, and honestly, if you're not wearing the strap and your controller falls on the ground and breaks, if you go to, like, any GameStop, they've got about 800 move controllers for sale used for, like, 10 bucks. So, yeah. uh, it's not much of a loss. <laughs> DualShock 4, on the other hand. Yeah, don't drop that. That'd be quite that. a loss. Don't drop that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that that's my number three. Um, Addison, what do you have for number two? Well, my number two is actually a remake of a previous-gen game uh. that... Involves zombies. Great Theft Auto Five. <laughs> no, actually, it is Minecraft. <gasps> oh, interesting. I love Minecraft. It's awesome. It's just like a empty canvas that you can just do whatever the heck you want with it. It's really like where I think games are really going with this next generation of people coming up playing video games. Like all these young kids love Minecraft. It's I just think more and more games are going to try to copy this formula as we go forward. Sadly, Microsoft purchased Minecraft this year. We haven't really seen the fallout of that yet, luckily, because I played it on the Vita a lot this year. And I was I, just going to say, it just came out on the Vita like after Microsoft bought it. <laughs> yeah, that is definitely the best mobile version. I don't know if y'all have played Minecraft, and if yeah, you have, I, if yeah. you've played the iOS or Android version, it just doesn't compare to the Vita. It's nice to have those physical control sticks and buttons rather than trying to drag your finger in a first-person point of view. Do you know Uh, how the Vita version compares to, like, the PC version? Because I remember this originally came out on PC, and then didn't they port it to the Xbox 360, but that version was, like, 
much more limited than the PC version. Like, maybe you couldn't have as big of, like, uh, worlds, or, or was there, weren't there limitations? Uh, yeah, and the online play wasn't as open. Like, with the PC version, you can create your own servers and have a ton of people on at the same time. With Xbox Live, I think it capped out at four or eight. But, yeah, I actually own this game on five different platforms. (laughs) (laughs) So I have the PC version, the 360 version, and I upgraded to the Xbox One version this year. And it surprisingly makes a big difference to have the extra power. There's a lot of, like, fog in the 360 version that you couldn't really see too far. Oh, sure. In the next-gen versions, you can just kind of get up on top of your house and just, like, see to the end of the map almost. Which just makes it seem like a lot more of an expansive world. But I love to see what Minecraft 2 is going to be like. I know it's kind of lame that I would pick Minecraft for this year, but it's just been probably one of the games I put the most time in. I mean, obviously I own it on five platforms, but (laughs) I'm, I'm glad to see it go to a portable platform that's suitable for the game as well as make the jump to next gen and see all the improvements there. So if you have a Vita, you should definitely check that out. Yeah, uh, Minecraft is endlessly fascinating to me. Just, like, once you take away the fact that it's this uh, brilliantly simple game that so many people can enjoy, just the fact that this guy, or this team, but really this guy, uh, Notch, made a game that was so good, an independent game that was so good, it made him a billion dollars. And then also, it would spawn YouTube communities and YouTube channels playing this game, which would earn them tens of thousands of dollars. Dozens of those channels, if not hundreds, exist. It's it's just, it's, it's pretty much our generations, or at least my generations, Super Mario Bros, at least in terms of scale. And I wonder if it might even be bigger or one day become bigger than the original Super Mario Bros. was in its prime. It's it's just an, an insane game, just like once you take away the game part even. Yeah, it's it's super simple, but it's also like infinitely complex. Like you can do so much stuff with the game. It's just endless, especially on the PC version. Like people just make the craziest worlds and do the craziest mods to the game. And I think it's I'm excited that video games is going are going this way. To be like games like Minecraft being popular because I think it's awesome. It's a game that exploits your creativity, mm-hmm. and I think games couldn't be going in a better direction. Uh, I recommend for you, Addison, and that's if if you have a PC or a Mac. Uh, have you ever played Gary's Mod? No, I have a PC though. You would really get into Gary's Mod if you like super creative things. Uh, I'm I won't get into it too much, but like I cracked a hundred hours into it in the last year, and it's wow. a similar thing. Of, uh, build whatever you want, get creative, get creative with your friends, make games, make game modes. It's kind of like, I would say, a harder-to-use version of Minecraft, but the payoff is much greater. And it's always at, like, 250 on Steam sales. Cool. Yeah, I'll check that out. Alright, Alex, what's your, uh, number two? Hatsune Miku, Project Diva F on PlayStation wow. Vita. It's, uh, <laughs> that game came out February this year, came out on PlayStation 3, I think... October or November last year, maybe August, or it, it came out in that general late summer to fall area, and I finally got the chance to play it this year because, frankly, I don't want to play that game on a big television where the rest <laughs> of my family is. <laughs> That's fair. 
and it's and that it's that's not a slight against the game. It's I have nothing against cutesy anime girls and and waifus and all that fun stuff. <laughs> but it's just that if you're gonna have that, I don't want my parents to be in the next room, which which is and that that's what makes the handheld version so great is that you can pop in headphones and you can experience this game exactly the way it was intended without any judgment, any worry about who's in the next room or anything. And you know what? This game is genuinely excellent. It's a genuinely excellent rhythm game. And it's super simple. It's, uh, you put in the button inputs as they come up. Sometimes you put in the X square triangle circle. Sometimes you have to use arrows and press like, left and X at the same time, or up and triangle, and then sometimes there's some touch mechanics. It's it's a very simple rhythm game. Pretty much Dance Dance Revolution with buttons as far as that's concerned. But the soundtrack is amazing. Like, it's it's all this super catchy J-pop that, uh, it's all super happy, super smiley, and the gameplay can either be extremely easy or extremely difficult depending on how you do the settings. And even the Hatsune Miku character, like, I don't really get into the waifu stuff that much, and I never will, <laughs> but, like, the fact that there is all these cutesy Japanese girl characters on screen, it makes it a happy, pleasant experience. I'll, I'll at least say that much, just to have all these happy uh, Japanese anime characters dancing around while this super catchy music is going on. Slap that on the box. It's A happy <laughs> experience. I'm not into waifus, but that Hatsune Miku is something else. <laughs> it's uh, I I would recommend this one on Vita because I think it's thirty bucks, and its sequel, Project Diva F2, came out on the Vita at forty bucks, and it's a slightly worse soundtrack. So I would recommend, even though it's worth playing, if you're gonna play this game, pick it up for thirty on uh, Vita. If you like rhythm games, it's a shock that you haven't played this yet because. <laughs> Oh boy, it is, it's super excellent. And then the 3DS version's coming out this year, with a bunch of other songs. So, huh? any Nintendo fans listening to this, you'll get your chance. <laughs> any Nintendo, it's a Nintendo podcast. <laughs> any Nintendo fans out there. <laughs> uh, so for my number two, I have, uh, Diablo 3 Reaper of Souls. Uh, this was the expansion pack to Diablo 3. They came out, uh, on PC earlier this year, I think in March. And then eventually came out as like one big definitive edition for Xbox One and PS4. Um, the expan the content in the expansion itself is, I mean, it's a whole new area. I, I think you can level up a certain number more levels and things like that. Um, which is cool, but, but really it's the sweeping changes that came with the expansion that you can actually enjoy even if you don't buy it, even if you just still have Diablo 3, uh, on PC. And that was the update that basically, like, reconfigured the whole game um, to make it much more playable and enjoyable and removed the uh, real money auction house. Um, I don't know how much you guys have kept up with Diablo 3 at all. Um, <clears throat> but when it came out, this whole big push was that, like, there was going to be this online auction house where you could spend in-game gold or real money to purchase items and it quickly became apparent that to play the game at higher difficulties, you basically had to be buying gear from the auction house. Um, you could also sell gear on the auction house and make gold or real money, uh, which was kind of wild. Um, but it became integral to, uh, integral to the game, and it ended up sort of ruining it. And the idea was that you would start playing Diablo 3 on like the normal difficulty, and then beat it, and then come back and play on the next higher difficulty setting, and then so on and so on, so you, you know, reach the highest and beat it and whatever. 
Um, but you kind of hit a roadblock where you had to be purchasing things from the auction house. It kind of ruined the whole fun. Um, you'd be constantly grinding and never find good gear uh, through actually playing, through, like, drops from killing monsters. Uh, you just had to uh, use the auction house. So quickly, like, the game kind of broke, and it really wasn't that fun. So they completely reworked it. Um, the difficulty settings now are, like, completely scalable. You can change them at any time. So if you're playing with a, you know, group of friends and you're all doing pretty well, you can just, like, on the fly change the difficulty up a notch to make it more difficult and get better drops. Um, or, you know, drop it down a notch if things are too difficult. Um, the real house, or the auction house, I should say, is completely gone. Uh, it's been completely removed from the game. So now you get better drops through playing. You get, uh, are more likely to get gear that your character will actually use. Um, it was very often in Diablo 3 that you would get, like, some great rare item, but it was, like, a crossbow, and you were playing a mage that couldn't use it. You know, it was, like, situations like that where you were just finding this great gear that was useless to you. Um, so yeah, I mean, they just completely fixed the game, and it's like a, it's a whole new game. Um, there's like two months there where I was like playing endlessly, um, online like every night that I could, um, with a few listeners and, and friends and everything like that. So, um, yeah, it, it fixed and saved Diablo 3 for sure, so I have to put that on my list because it is so much fun now. It almost sounds like they, uh, a lot of, I can't blame people like you for putting it on their game of the year list now, because when the original Diablo 3 came out, People were super mad uh, at, like, almost everything in the game. Even if the core was still well-built, it seemed like people hated a lot of the stuff around it. Now, with this expansion and with the console version, with uh, really good console controls, it seems like, with all these auction house stuff removed and the balance fixed and this uh, expansion, which is super good, it really does seem like almost a brand new game. Oh, yeah. It really is. I mean, like you said, the core is there. I mean, playing the game, like... Like, the actual gameplay itself is the same, but everything around it in terms of, like, progression, um, and, yeah, and, and like I said, adjusting difficulty and things like that, it's all been so much more improved and, and streamlined, and, um, the console version is actually pretty good. I, I downloaded the console version so I could, uh, my wife and I could play, and it, it's very much, like, suited for the console. Um, it moves a lot faster and feels, like, a little bit more arcade uh, than the PC version, um, especially in terms of, like, loot drops, like, like, items will be automatically equipped, or you can, like, quickly, uh, sort of just, like, have the game equip what's best that you, that you have, um, so you're not going to menus constantly to kind of, like, tinker around with gear and stuff like that, so especially if you're playing, uh, like, locally with, you know, two to four people on your couch, you're not constantly, you know, every time you find a new dagger, you're not opening up a menu to say, okay, well, this one, I get one more damage per second, oh, but this one increases my you know, my strength by one, What what's better? Um, you know, it kind of just does that for you if you want to let it, um, and you can just sort of, like, keep moving along. So, yeah, it, it's very good, no matter what platform you're going to play it on, so. There you go. There cool. you go. Uh, Addison, you're number one. My game of the year is a platform exclusive. I don't think either of you have played it. But it is Sunset Overdrive. I Ooh. thought it would be, I thought it would be that. And... This game is probably the most fun I've had in a complete single-player experience in, like, ten years. Going back to what? Probably, like, Tony Hawk or playing Tony Hawk by myself or Jet Set Radio. <laughs> okay. Like, those are the two games that makes me think of, and it's just, like, a love letter to those games. And just, to me as a gamer, like, it just brought me back to days of sitting on my drink sitting down playing my Dreamcast, Tony Hawk, Jet Set Radio, 
it's just a beautiful game. It I'm not a huge open world game fan, and this game just seemed to do the open world right. The traversal is so much fun. Um, what the premise of the game is, there's this like evil soda company who came out with this new energy drink, and they're throwing this huge party to launch it in your town, and you happen to be the janitor at the party, so you're one of the few people who don't end up drinking it. And the people who drink it turn into zombies. So you have to go around and kill the zombies and go against the uh, corporation and get them out of the town. So because the zombies are all over the city and on the ground, you need to travel like on by grinding on different parts of the city, like cable lines and stuff like that, and avoid being on the ground at all costs or else you get torn up pretty quick so you do a lot of jumping and grinding while shooting to stay alive and it seemed like it wouldn't be a game I would enjoy and I kind of picked it up on a whim but it just does everything it set out to do so well and if you're nervous about playing the game because you think it the like attitude of the game is dumb it totally like understands what it's doing and it's not trying to be what people think it is and just like a total like punk game it's it knows how to make fun of itself and just some of the storylines are ridiculous and it it's just a whole lot of fun it's a game that i was always smiling and laughing while i played and i always need some of that so that's why it's my game of the year for sure thank goodness for insomniac you know just just (laughs) just think about like their recent history so they did Insomnia, uh, excuse me, Sunset Overdrive. Before this, they did Fuse. Before this, they did Ratchet and Clank. Before this, they did Resistance 3. And it's just, thank goodness that they're constantly changing what they're doing pretty much every year or two. Yeah, yeah. this game blows Fuse out of the water for sure. <laughs> um, thank goodness. But- it's like a new take on Ratchet and Clank, almost. So, if you like those games, it's definitely worth giving a try. What do you think they're going to do next? Do you think they'll do a sequel to this, or do you think they'll uh, try another new franchise? Um, The way they end the game, I don't want to spoil it, but they definitely leave it open to a sequel. So, I'm okay. thinking that's the direction they'll go in. But do we know we'll how well it. it's done? Uh, Sales-wise? Yeah. Do we have, like... I don't remember, uh, uh, like, catching anything in the last MPDs or anything. I'm going to look it up as we speak. Uh, I, I know it was, like, yeah. critically acclaimed. I mean, I've heard a lot of people say great things about it. And I know it was heavily marketed. I mean, I saw a lot of commercials and stuff on TV. Um, right. And I know, X- like, a Wii U release almost, the way things are going with the Xbox One. Like, yeah. if it had been multi-platform, it would have been one of the top-selling games of the year, I'm sure. But it was kind of hampered by being a xbox one exclusive i don't have sales numbers but just to talk about the state of video game journalism i there's a google article that came up from joystick with the title i'm delighted to hate sunset overdrive (laughs) which is pretty much in one sentence encapsulates uh a lot of video game editorials it's just it's you know what we're not going to get into that right now (laughs) but but you know what? Congratulations. Sunset Overdrive is Addison's 2014 <laughs> Nintendo Game of the Year. Congratulations, Insomniac Games. Yeah, go out and get an Xbox One and play it. It's worth picking up the system, I think. 
Didn't they just increase the price back up like another hundred dollars or something? Yep. Well, they're planning on it, but you can still buy them for three fifty in stores. I think it's already stores. changed. Well, okay, sure. Uh, but I'm pretty sure it's officially gone back up until Microsoft realizes that's not okay and then drops the price again permanently in a month. Yeah, that's just insane. Yeah, <laughs> they're going to sell zero consoles until they drop that price back. It's uh, it's up to three seventy eight. So. It looks like there's some discount, but it's uh, it's it's getting back up. I I hope no one buys one for the next month or two. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they, to, just for their sake. They unbundled all the games too. Around Christmas time, you're getting Assassin's Creed. Uh, <laughs> Thank goodness. Unity. Yeah, that might actually be doing more of a favor. <laughs> hey, the Xbox One version of Unity is actually pretty good. Well, that's true. That's why like the one platform it all kind of runs on, huh? And 4 yeah. is the best Assassin's Creed game, my humble opinion, so if anything, you're getting that one. Yeah. Alright. Go for it, Alex. My number one game of the year for non-Nintendo platforms is Dark Souls 2. Uh, and this one you probably could have seen coming from a mile away, Scott. Just because of what we were talking about earlier in the year. Because if anyone who listens to Connectivity with some frequency may remember, uh, Scott tried to pick up Dark Souls 2 after I did. And I don't think it was in direct response to how much I was praising it for being such an amazing game uh, out of throughout the 63-hour experience. And we'll get into that for a second. But then I remember you got into it, and then you didn't have a good time at all at first. Right. But then you tried picking it back up again. So yes. before I try saying everything I love about Dark Souls 2, what did you think of it after you picked it back up again? Or what was your oh. experience like? Yeah, no, it's incredible. I mean, yeah, like you said, anyone who listens to the podcast knows, um, I got it on a Steam sale on PC, and uh, typically I will play games just with mouse and keyboard. That game can definitely not be played <laughs> just mouse and keyboard. It was very, very bad. It made the whole experience very difficult. Um, it probably didn't help, too, that I created a melee character to start, so generally I was, like, up in the thick of it, uh, without good controls, so that was all very, very terrible. Um, our good friend Travis sent me an Xbox 360 PC controller, uh, out of the kindness of his heart, which was fantastic, and I used that, created a, uh, ranged character this time, and had a ton of fun. I mean, it was fantastic. Um, I didn't end up beating it, but I know I'm, like, like, within five to ten hours of the end. Probably un- probably under ten. Have um, you seen the dragons yet? Uh, yes. Okay, so, so you're getting close. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm very, very close. Um, I just, I was trying to play through it all summer and try to beat it uh, before my son was born, but I did not do that, and then my son was born, and then there was no more time to play <laughs> Dark Souls 2, especially because then, like, I wanted to finish it in the summer when there was just nothing going on, but then it became fall and winter, and more games came out, so Dark Souls 2 kind of sat on the back burner, but I'm going to go back to it at some point and beat it. it it's it's a very good, challenging uh, game. I, I enjoy it quite a bit. I guess to uh, to describe it, uh, and talk about a little bit why I love it. I would describe Dark Souls as a third-person action RPG where you play... And it, I, won't, I won't talk about the story because it, it doesn't matter, but it's you're basically a knight, and you're going through the world of Dark Souls, and you're killing monsters, and you're an undead dude, and you don't want to <laughs> be undead anymore, so you want to break <laughs> that curse. And the way you do that is you go throughout the land 
and you fight all these enemies, and you beat these super hard bosses, and you progress through this story, chugging a couple hours at a time, just trying to make progress here and there. Because the beauty of Dark Souls is that it's extremely hard, but because it's extremely hard, and because the way the gameplay works, every single boss you beat, every single inch of progress you make forward, feels like glorious success. Oh yeah. Uh, and, and you really feel like a knight going on this journey to uh, save himself. The way the gameplay works isn't just like any other super fast combat game. In Dark Souls, your character is slow and lumbering, and carrying this armor that, depending on how heavy it is, severely affects your uh, your movement. And then, it, in my case, I had a big old sword and shield, so every single time I would be fighting this dragon or this these crazy bosses called, like, the Last Giant, it would be, like, me against them, and I would feel like, for the third time in a row, that knight in shining armor. So it, the progress you would make would be super rewarding, and at first it was super hard to get into. Like, I gave up. I almost gave up like 10 hours in because I just wasn't making any progress, but I stuck with it. I, uh, I, I had that little bit of discipline that this game requires and, and I grinded it out in that super addicting way that this game lets you do. And, uh, I had an amazing, amazing experience with it. The game is super cheap now. And if this one isn't super cheap, Dark Souls 1 and Demon Souls, which are better games, are, uh, are also super cheap. So... If if you want challenge, raw challenge, but not so difficult it's impossible, like, I don't think I've ever had, I've ever played more rewarding gameplay than Dark Souls. And I, I went back to Dark Souls 1 after playing Dark Souls 2, and that game's even better. But Dark Souls 2 is much easier to get into, so I would recommend uh, maybe getting into that one first if you have the means. I just thought it was, like, a really rewarding uh, experience, and it, it was probably... In modern games, I feel like you don't really get to kind of get that sense of, like, excitement and wonder and, like, uncertainty while you're playing anymore. Mm -hmm. I mean, everything's very much guided. You're kind of, uh, you know, forced through a, like, a single uh, lane, you know, in, in most games. And then even open world games, it's like, oh, okay, like, I can run around. But then I start missions, and I'm very much guided in, in where I'm going. Um, but Dark Souls uh, was very much, like, uh, just an experience of, like, of discovery, um, and that's something I haven't had since, like, I played, like, you know, The Legend of Zelda on NES. I mean, it was very, I mean, half the fun is just not knowing what to expect, um, and then the other half is, of the fun is overcoming, like you said, huge monsters that you swear, like, you'll never be able to beat. Right. And then just, like, sticking with it, like, learning the pattern, like, just slugging it out and, and finally, uh, finally getting it. Yeah, um, it feels like it's designed like a classic game. Uh, oh, yeah. That, that's because of Miyazaki, who, uh, who made this. Uh, from from software, like he he designs these games to be difficult for the purposes I described to make you feel like you're going on a real ass journey. And yeah. uh, Dark Souls Two wasn't made by him, but it's clearly informed by the this classic game decision. And then also very very quickly, uh, two of the features that are super excellent in this game is the fact that every death has consequences. So your main currency in this game that you use to buy weapons to level up to do all this stuff is souls. Every time you kill enemies, you get a certain number of souls. Like, let's say you kill a, uh, a goon, you'll get 1 to 300. Let's say you kill a super big boss, you'll get a few thousand or 10,000 or so and such. When you die, you drop all of your souls where you died. And you have to get from the checkpoint to where you last died 
to pick up your souls and uh, keep your currency going. And if you die before you get back to them, you lose all of your currency forever. And it means that basically every time you die, you have this urgent need to get back to where you last uh, got and then make progress in addition to this. And make progress in addition to that. And what this leads to are situations where, yes, you get your souls back and it and it's amazing progress, or you have 300,000 souls, you die, and then on the way back you accidentally fall off a cliff that leads you to lose six hours of progress like that. And it sounds like a super shitty mechanic to some people if you want like this really easy uh, gameplay, but it makes you really care, and it makes you like be super smart about the way you handle yourself. And then the other thing I wanted to talk about was the multiplayer, which it's it's a very passive multiplayer experience where as you uh as you go throughout the world, players can leave messages. So let's say there's a well uh in this starting town, and there's a message in front of it that says, "Hit the rock uh for treasure." So you do this thing that the game doesn't suggest you could do in any other way. You sl- you swipe your sword at this well. The rock falls in the well, and then a ring comes up, and then you can put the ring in your inventory now. Like, it's, the players can give each other advice throughout the entire game, and it's super amazing. And then players can also invade each other's games, and, uh, you can get into these PvP matches with other players, and it, it's, it makes the world feel alive, even though there isn't any, uh, like, 16-player uh, multiplayer combat like you would get in Call of Duty or Grand Theft Auto. And I, I hope the uh, the upcoming Zelda is informed by some of this stuff, where mm-hmm. you can make an active, or you can make a real uh, fulfilling multiplayer experience without actually having that much real multiplayer. So there you go. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so then my number one choice is a game I just talked about recently, and that is Dragon Age Inquisition. Woo! Uh, it just came out recently, but I am so friggin' in love with this game right now. Um, I can't see how anything would beat it on my list of non-Nintendo games. Um, yeah, I mean, I just, I, I, I don't even know what to add based on what we talked about last time, but it's just, I mean, I really enjoyed Mass Effect from Bioware, but this feels like really a, a step forward, at least to me. Um, I, it, I love the open world, just huge sprawling environments, um, I know there's some complaints like, oh, there's not as much to do, or the quests aren't really all that fulfilling, because uh, they're kind of like MMO design, where it's just like, go here and pick up this thing, and then take it back to this person, or kill so many of these things and collect, you know, X number of carcasses or whatever. And then there is some of that, but then you also get the story missions, where they're actually, like, uh, huge and have uh, big, like, uh, I don't know, big effects on the, the, the story at large and things like that, and you get a lot of character development in those. Um, but just the combat and exploring the world is, is so much fun. Um, way, way better than I expected it to be. And I think it's, I think it's because something like Mass Effect, even though you've got a lot of powers to use and stuff, it's still very much based, uh, in being a shooter. Whereas this is, um, more, uh, like melee combat and more, uh, action oriented. And an RPG focus too. So there's a lot more, uh, planning and sort of, uh, coming up with, with the way you're going to attack and the way you're going to have your comrades attack and using different abilities and mixing and matching and stuff like that. Um, and the characters are super interesting and well written. Uh, they're all wildly different and just crazy. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's just so much fun. Uh, so I'm interested in knowing 
who would you recommend or not recommend this game to? Because I'm super close to picking this game up, probably when, around when it hits $40. Never played a Dragon Age game before. And I hear people like you calling it amazing. I hear, I see the Video Game Awards, for whatever it's worth, giving it their Game of the Year award. And then you got people like uh, Mike Phillips on Player One Podcast who's saying exactly the opposite. So it's, I, I'm not saying that he's right or you're wrong or whatever. It's just, I, I'm guessing this game is made for a specific taste and I'm just wondering what that is. I mean, obviously, it's going to help if you at least somewhat enjoy, like, that high fantasy setting. Um, didn't you... Well, I know you watched Star Wars. Didn't you recently watch the Lord of the Rings movies, or no? Have you, yeah, like, I mean, like, you into I, that stuff? I like that stuff when it's done well. Okay. Uh, I think it's done well here, and like I said, the, all the party members you can get are really awesome and, like, funny and, and well-written, and they're all very much individual uh, in their, like, desires and motivations throughout the game. Um, so that's great. And, I mean... God, there's at least, what, 10 playable characters, maybe more, and you get a party of four. So, I mean, it's very much that sort of classic, I mean, like, back to, like, all the way to, like, Final Fantasy, where it's like, you know, you've got this kind of big cast, and then you just sort of pick your favorites and, and put them in your party, um, each with different classes and stuff. So, obviously, there's combat benefits, too, to who you pick. Um, yeah, I, you know, I mean, did, had, did you play, have you played any other Bioware games? I've played, well, I played uh, Mass Effect 2 and 3. Loved Mass Effect 2. Really liked Mass Effect 3. Okay. Then then, then you... Knights of the Old Republic games. Oh, those are fantastic. Yeah, then I then you'll like this, for sure. Um, Because to me, Mass Effect 2 was, like, the height of that series, and it was very much because of the characters and, like, assembling that team and going on that final mission in the end, you know, and, like, getting to know that whole party and then, like, the sort of the outcome after that that, that, you know, that final mission without spoiling anything. Um, this very much uh, resonates with that, but with a much more, like, open and cohesive world where you're not just hopping from planet to planet and going through, like, somewhat small areas. I mean, you go into these huge sprawling locations, um, you know, riding horseback to explore and finding all these hidden items, and there's just so much to do in terms of side quests and exploration and collecting items that can be used later to to craft better armor and weapons or get uh you know secret collectible items and things like that so um i i think you will very much enjoy it perfect i'll uh i'll pick it up and report back either with a thank you or a fuck off scott <laughs> or fuck you man <laughs> <laughs> beautiful all right so yeah so that's that real quick i will read off um neil's list is easy he's this is his exact quote do you have friends? Then buy a fucking PlayStation 4 and play Towerfall, Sports Friends, Nidhogg, and the Jackbox Party Pack. That's basically what I got. So there you go. If you uh, have friends and want to play a lot of great uh, cooperative and competitive multiplayer, uh, get a PS4 and download all of those games. And they're probably you could probably get all those games for like the price of a normal like $60 retail game. Probably even half that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Nidhogg was my number four. Oh, nice. I know I haven't played it, but I hear amazing things. It's like fencing, it's awesome. right? Yeah, it's just crazy. It's one of those games like... Did you ever play Slappers Only, License to Kill, and Goldeneye? Yes. It's like that, where you like want to get close so you can attack, but you're like... But you don't want to get too close. Yeah, yeah I got gotcha. you. It's just like a rush of, like, oh my gosh. Almost like a, like a game of chicken, in a way. Yeah. Um. So then Zach's top three... Uh, number three was Rayman Legends for the Vita... He says it's better than the original, which is easily seen since it basically includes Rayman Origins. Crazy imaginative, and while I have no love for the Murphy levels, everything else is amazing. 
Uh, his number two was Sports Friends for the PS3, which I had picked. He said, basically, Johan Sebastian Joust, but the other games are fun as well. We found a way to play outside in the backyard, and it's a magical experience. And then number one, he writes, Ninja, Bo- Ninja Big Boobs 2 Electric Gigaloo. Uh, I mean, Saran Kagura uh, Shinobi Versus, which he played on the Vita. Uh, the series continues to impress with its unusually heartfelt storylines, characters that all play very differently, and of course, heaving bosoms. So... There you go. Big surprise. <laughs> um, so thank you so much for listening to this. Hopefully, uh, if you have some of these other platforms and didn't play any of these games, uh, I guess you've got some games on your list to go ahead and buy or download or find um, whatever way you can. So Alex and Addison, thank you so much for being here. And uh, we will talk to you guys later. Bye-bye. Later. Ronahan, and welcome to a very special segment here on NWR Connectivity, where I am joined by Nick Olberg, the co-founder of Street Pass Princeton. Hello, everyone. Nick here. Nice um, to meet you. And this is uh, this is one of the the belated Nintendo Force Kickstarter reward uh, podcast segments. Uh, if you've been keeping score at home, which I hope you have not, I've only done one of these, and it's been like nine months since Kickstarter. A lot of that's because of my own life things, and also organizing these things are tough when we're all doing different things. As Nick can attest, we actually were going to do this back in September, and it fell through. Yeah, I remember. Uh, I was going to have, like, one of my friends come on. Yeah, you were going to be doing it live from PAX Prime. Yeah, we were going to do it live from PAX Prime, but we were too busy because we were doing, like, a media event with, like... uh, I think Smash Brothers. That was when, like, all the leaks were in. Oh, uh, yeah, no, was... I remember that. I remember that. That, that was Yeah, because so that was, I think crazy. the leaks were, like, the day before. Yeah, the leaks were, like, the day before, and then you had to sign a, a waiver notice. They're like, you can't say if Shulk's really in the game and that kind of stuff, and it was cr- it was crazy. So, I remember playing, like, the the pre-final build. Everyone's like, oh, my God, we, we can record this. And then it's like, no, but you can't put it up until X date. And then yeah. everyone's, like, crazy about it. So, <laughs> But anyway. Um, yes. Uh, anyway. Nick, Nick has uh, – he's been he's been doing stuff with Street Pass Princeton since its inception back in 2011. Um, and he's, he's hosted a panel at PAX East. That means we have that in common and that we have both hosted panels at PAX East. That's right. So that's exciting. Um, but I guess, uh, Nick, you can kind of take over here and just, uh, what, what is Street Pass Princeton all about? And like, what is it like running a Street Pass group? So Street Pass Princeton is a Street Pass group. Street Pass being the, uh, feature on the 3DS. We meet up once a month and we just play games and have a good time. Um, most events, we generally try to have a theme. 
So we've had like Bravely Default. We had an event for Mario Kart. We had like a whole bunch of events. My anniversary was really huge. We had like the Tricorse Quartet. Um, and each event, we try to do things differently. Now, the thing I, I enjoy most about the Street Pass group is it gives us a chance to really play so many different games. And even though it, it can be expensive, just trying to like try one new game a month, um, is a, is easier to do than trying to incorporate like several different games. Cause it, it's just so overwhelming and you don't have so much time to play every single game. Yeah. I mean, I even, I, I, and we were talking before the show a little bit in that it seems like there are common threads in running a street pass group and running a volunteer Nintendo enthusiast website. Um, and it is the same kind of thing that like on a, on a certain level, you're trying to keep up with the times while you're working a full-time job and trying to do this thing that you really enjoy. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And you kind of have to also pay attention to yourself because I mean, honestly, I had to, to step away from the group because, uh, I've been having troubles with my my own health, and uh, you know that's that's what happens. You put yourself out there too much, and and you take a hit on yourself, and you have to be careful about yeah. that because if you end up, you know, overdoing things, you know, you'll end up like me where you have to stick stand on the sidelines for a while, and and no one wants to do that. It's yeah. not fun. I mean, I mean, something that uh, I guess readers of Nintendo World Report might not know is that I actually kind of I, I took off a month. Like, uh, around this time last year, actually, just cause I was really busy with stuff. And, uh, my, my own full-time job was ending and I was looking for a new one, which I successfully got and then still at. Um, but yeah, I actually, I mean, I know where you're coming from with being burnt out on stuff and needing a little time off. Um, it's kind of nice where it's built in, at least with the way that the, the websites work, where it's almost like January is a month off because not much happens. Yeah. I know what you're saying. Although it's still, it's like, People want to just, like, get everything they can. Like, it's just, like, we're in this age where information is just moving so fast at, at, a, at a frightening rate where it's like things just evolve at the, at the snap of, of, of a hat. And you can never really keep up, and it's just crazy because you're trying to do every little thing, and it's just it can be so overwhelming. Yeah, and you, yeah it's, that, it's that just, is true. It's just too much micromanagement at times. Yep. I... <laughs> The similarities between Street Pass groups and Nintendo World Report are very humorous to me right now. Right? Um, <laughs> I know. I mean, I've been to a handful of Street Pass Princeton events. Uh, one that I really enjoyed was playing Animal Crossing with everybody. Um, because, uh, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a big online guy to begin with. Um, but I, I loved playing Animal Crossing and just going into people's towns. Like, I remember the, the one that was, that was outside. Um, I forget the name of that. Gilder Park? Is Grover it Park. It was at Grover, Grover Park. Grover Park. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I just remember hanging out outside and someone would be like, hey, I got, I got peaches. And then I, I needed peaches, so I'd go over to that person's town. And we had like all these towns open and it was a really good time. Yeah. And what I enjoyed about it was it, it definitely set the, the feel and the mood because we were out in like the park. Yeah. It was, it was sunny. A, it was like late June, early July, something like that. Yeah, like it was a real June. Nice day. Yeah. And, and what I enjoyed about it was that um, it invoked the theme of the game, and it invoked the theme of, uh, of how were we enjoying like the experience with each other. We were all yeah. talking and chatting, and it was so much fun. And I remember this like we had people of different like backgrounds. We had this one woman 
who's like I think in her 60 or 70, and she she plays it in in her spare time. I was like, wow, it's amazing to see um what video games can touch people with like at, at different ages. Like I remember there was even a. I I think I think someone from Street Pass Princeton was there uh, when that that South Jersey Geek Fest that uh, I went to and we we actually met people there uh, that then later came to Street Pass Princeton events. Yeah, I mean that, that's the kind of fun thing is that you you do pull in a lot of different people in these groups and it's you it's do. fun to just kind of have that ability to hang out and play games. I know that another one that I'm pretty sure there is an icy cold planet in Star Fox because I remember an early one that I think it might be about. Fortunia, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's, that, I, I, I assume that there is an icy planet because Star Fox is kind of aping Star Wars a lot. Yeah. Uh, I think Fortuna is that planet, you're right. Uh, I do remember one shortly after Star Fox 64 3D came out, which is one of the only times that I played that multiplayer. Yeah. Um, where it was outside in like, I think it was early October and the weather was supposed to be better, but it was not. It was frigid and freezing rain. But damn it, we still played some Star Fox 64 3D multiplayer and it was, yeah, it was did. wonderful. It was. When was that October event? Was that in? I think uh, that was that was after right after it came out. I think. I'm trying to remember. I just I distinctly remember getting a cold by being outside and, and playing Star Fox sixty four three D. I and remember then, my brother organized event like back in like twenty I think twenty twelve or twenty twelve unless maybe that was like the year after it came out. I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. My brother. uh if you if you don't know guys uh my brother was the original leader of the group uh he left because uh of personal reasons and he just wanted to do his own thing and um he did a decent job but he was just always like overly analytical about things and i told him you know you just got to think about you know the change of seasons you got to just plan accordingly and it can be difficult because there's so many things going on but you just need to focus on doing like one event a, a month. And he was like, "Oh, but I got to do this, and I got to do this, and I got to do this." I was like, "Bobby, just one event a month, plan it through, and you know, just see how it goes." And he would get upset if we got low attendance. And I was like, "You know, that that happens. You have to accept it. You know, you have to fall down and bleed, before, and and then you have to get back up and you say, you know what, this minute was terrible.'" But you know what? I still had a good time. So we need to learn from this mistake and, and see what we can do. What did we do advertising-wise? Did we not get enough people? You know, hey, you know, it's like the pay, paving it forward movie. You know, if I tell one person to do something, then they tell three people. And those three people tell three more people. You could really connect with others. And it, and it can be a tough thing because, you know, again... The whole thing with the internet and, and being bombarded everywhere, you know, it's very selective. So it, it's tricky and you just got to keep, keep at it because if you don't, you won't, you won't succeed. Yeah. I mean, that's, that, that's a good thing for just every aspect of life pretty much. Yeah. Um, I mean, cause you're always, you're always going to fall down. You just got to pick yourself back up. So I remember I, I had problems like, uh, in, in, uh, school. And I would always think that I, I wouldn't get through it. And I just, you know, I'd fall back on video games sometimes and, uh, I'd be able to focus better and, and it would help me out because I'd be able to remember things better. I don't know why. <laughs> it's kind of weird how video games in school sometimes go hand in hand. Yeah. I mean, uh, that, that's, uh, it, it helps, it helps you do stuff. 
it does. It improves your memory. There, I mean, there are good things about video games, and yeah, that's I that's mean, a whole subject for a whole other podcast about the the actual memory and benefits to video games as opposed to other mediums. Like, I mean, that's always been my logic. I've had like relatives and stuff who have younger children that they're like, well, I don't want them playing video games. I don't want their brain to rot. I'm like, but you let them like watch Sesame Street all day. Right. Like, at least with a video game, like, they need to solve problems and figure stuff out and all that right. jazz. It's all about the balance in life. That's the, that's the other thing. You, you always have to, like, you know, we always play obsessively, though. Oh, yeah. Which is, which is probably not a good thing, you know. Like, I know when I'm I'm doing Let's Plays on my YouTube channel, like, I would play the – I would play so much of, like, the Street Pass games because it was so – desperate because everything on youtube seems to like skyrocket like crazy it seems like youtube is like one of those focal points on the internet that people go to i mean look at like rosanna pancino and like smosh yeah i I mean they just had they had miyamoto on yeah like i mean i mean it is kind of crazy the rise of youtube over the past couple years yeah and I, I know it seems irrelevant, but the reason why there's a relevance to YouTube is because that's why I do my videos on YouTube. I want to share the experience that we have as a group. Yeah. You know? And even though we all don't get along, even though we have problems, you know, I've had people, you know, come up to me, yell at me. This one person was accused of cheating. Um, you know, I had well, like during de- a Smash tournament or something. Uh, it was actually during Mario Kart. Um, what was, couple... what was the son of a bitch? Was he snaking? <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> curse. Uh, no, he wasn't snaking. Uh, what happened was, um, there allegedly he was hosting a game, and apparently he was quitting out. And if you quit out when you host a game, it causes everybody to disconnect. Oh. So there was uh, some accusations of that. Um, so I ended up going up to him privately and, and explained the situation. And he said he didn't do it. And the thing is, it's a tricky situation because on the one hand, everyone is ganging up on him because he's an easy target. I mean, yeah. you know, and we had a pretty good prize. So I think it was like a Zelda 3DS thing. I kind of went o- overboard with that. But yeah, um, yeah. So I uh, I kind of paid out of my own pocket for for group events honestly and I probably I, again I did too much for for the group uh I was kind of being a bit too overly generous. <laughs> well, so uh, we are going to be doing an NWR reader survey soon and I'm trying to scope I I already have all of my amiibos for wave 1 and 2 but I'm in the process of scoping out if I can get any more so that way we can give them away to encourage people to take our reader survey. Yeah. It's it's a tricky situation because you want to give, but you can't give. But too you much. don't have all that money. Yes, and uh, I kind of wish I uh, told myself it's like you know this is a really great idea, but but maybe po- like cap yourself to twenty bucks. Like. Right, <laughs> right. I think I did fine in like t- like twenty thirteen. I did really good. Like we had like a a nice setup that Pizza Star. Where yeah, no, those had... those those events were really fun because I remember yeah. that's uh you had, but the Triforce Quartet was there. I know. No, no, Triforce or... Quartet was uh. This is a different 2014. One. Is yeah. there, there a different music group, and I just don't know the names. No, it's it's not a different music group. Well, Triforce Quartet was 2014, and then in 2013, uh, 2014 was Triforce Quartet. 2013 was uh, a student from Westminster Choir College. Okay. His name was... Yeah, his and name just was... so everybody knows, uh, we're talking about Princeton, New Jersey. 
Realize yeah. we did not clarify that. This is this is the, my my local street pass group. Um, this is, is, is yes. what we're talking about. So, yeah, something Westminster that... Choir College is a is a choir college in Princeton, New Jersey. Yeah. So the thing I also try to focus on my street pass group is we try to use the the our local strengths to our advantage. That's that's the key. Um, I I uh, went to culinary school and one of the things we we learned was that people stick to their strengths. They stick to their cultural roots. And that's what I wanted to focus with Prince New Jersey, to stick to our cultural roots. Yeah. That's why we have events locally. We don't try to like go out very much of the the tri of uh, the center area. I mean, people would try to be like, "Hey, you should go to North Jersey." I was like, "I don't really want to go to North Jersey. The only place we'd expand to is probably Mercer County. We wouldn't yeah. leave Mercer County. You know, we went to." uh Lawrenceville, we went to the Quaker Ridge Mall, and that was fine. That's yeah. like a reasonable bus ride. You know, people can go to that, but to go from, like, all the way up to, like, Passaic County, like, to that yeah, I mean, area. That, that, that seems like there should be another street pass group to cover that area. Right. I, I would say, you know, if you're without, within, like, 30 minutes, it's fine. P- past an hour is a little bit too much. So... Anyway, um, back to the 2013, yeah, the anniversary. That was pretty good. I mean, I had the Perler bead sets. Um, I made them personally. Um, there was uh, Mutant Muds. There was Pokemon. There was uh, – we had, like, a personal letter from Jules. Yeah. Which was pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, I remember. I, re- I think I, I ran into him at PAX East right after you had given him the Perler bead set. Yeah. He was, he was very touched. Yeah. So he loved it, and I gave him one uh, of a Max one, and he loved it. He was just like, I love this so much. <laughs> yeah, no, the Perler Bead stuff is really cool. Uh, once yeah. again, people who listen to, who have been listening to Connectivity for a long time, uh, we had that Kid Icarus Uprising tournament back, uh, I guess, oh wow, that was, was almost three years ago? Wow. Kid Icarus Uprising is an old game. I know, um, right? But no, uh, Nick actually gave us, uh, like, Pit Kid Icarus, uh, you know, um, perler bead things yeah. that then we sent to people who won. Yeah. Um, and I know that everybody who got that, it was the, it was the NeoGAF group that won. And I got a lot of positive feedback about how much they love the perler beads. Yeah. They, they loved it a lot, honestly. So I remember that I stayed, I stayed up, uh, kind of making them. I was kind of, uh, over the top on them, but yeah, no, I mean, yeah. all your perler bead stuff comes out super, super well. Yeah. It takes a, a while to make them, too. I mean, I would just, like, sit down for hours, and, uh, it was too much. So, again, I should have just, like, kind of stepped back from it a bit. I mean, I made, like, a hundred for the PAX East panel. It's crazy. I made, like, ten um, of, of each, like, Mario bad guy. And the cool thing was that people that um, left the panel, I knew who went to my panel because they were wearing it. <laughs> so that was so like, you know if someone was like hey man good panel you're like where's your perler bead yeah <laughs> liar <laughs> or, or or they'd be like oh i have my tracking device on you, <laughs> <laughs> you know? so as creepy as that sounds <laughs> but uh no it's just an easy way to like recognize people you know it's like a name tag in a way yeah so, uh it was pretty cool and people really enjoyed it um but, uh, you know, it's hard to manage things because uh, you want to do so much and sometimes you forget that uh, you need help from other people and it can be hard to ask because yeah. p- people get moody, 
people aren't very good at, at things and you, you just want to do everything yourself, but you know, you can't. And, yep. and it's, it's the same way I'm at work. I'm just like, God, this person is just doing it terrible. <laughs> and, and I'm just like, oh. I've been that way like so many times and maybe I'm just kind of a, a perfectionist in a way. I, I just, I want to do everything and, you know, I, I have to remember, you know, everybody has their specific thing and I can't do everything. It's like the Brave Little Toaster movie <laughs> where everyone God, has I their... I haven't thought about that movie in, in maybe a decade, at least. Yeah, it's it's like, you know, someone's the loud, obnoxious one, but it comes up with pretty good ideas and then you got the one that's like really brave and outgoing, but still gets scared once in a while because no one's perfect. And then you got the crybaby, but can actually be really sweet and sentimental. Yeah, like that. Like, that's like how when you have a, a, a group. That's exactly how it is. I mean, maybe we're all just brave little toasters. Yes, maybe we're all little brave little toasters. <laughs> or a blanket. Making, making toast. Yeah. Being brave. Being yeah. little. Definitely. <laughs> so, uh, I guess what's what's in store for Street Pass Princeton in 2000? Or I guess. 15? Yeah, in 2015. God, I, I, I had 2014 written. And so, realize that we are not in that year anymore. Yeah, we are not. Um, you know, 2014 is, is gone. And, uh, 2015, um, there's a new leader. We have, uh, Chris Steinagel. He is the new leader of the group. Um, I enact him as a leader. Um, he's taking things a bit more casually, and that's fine. Because yeah. to be honest, he should take it at his own pace and not overdo it. I know he's, it's, he's gonna be overwhelmed, but I told him, you know, just, Go slow. And, uh, the next event, if I remember correctly, is on the 17th. He's having it online because it's just too difficult this month to organize anything. So, if I can pull it up so I can tell you. It's a, a Google Plus event. Oh, cool. It's gonna yeah, so be... Yes, I mean, and anybody who's listening to this, you could attend this event on January 17th. Yeah. So, it's gonna be the 17th from 1 to 6. And he's going to host it via Google+, Plus, which will be pretty cool. And uh, I'm pretty excited myself, honestly. So I just wish that I uh, took care of myself and slowed down and, and remembered to, you know, uh, think about myself once in a while. Because, you know, you can't take care of everybody if you can't take care of yourself. That That is true. So got to remember that. So... So that's 2015. You know, Chris is leading that. I believe he's got one, another event. Uh, that's gonna be his, uh, he's branching out a little. He's going to Pennington. Oh, that's, uh, right, right near where I grew up. Yeah, cool. What, is, um, it, is he going to Vito's? It's, he's right. going to Youth Warehouse. Oh, I don't, I don't know what the hell that is. <laughs> Let me see how far that is. I hope he's not going too far from Princeton. <laughs> We're typing it up as we go along. Well, it's not too bad. It's, uh, 12 miles. It's within, um, Mercer County. So, I just hope he doesn't leave Mercer County, because I, I told him that. Keep it local. Don't go too far out of Princeton area. Oh, okay. I know where that is. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, if, and if you're a person who, uh, is listening to this and is in the New Jersey area and are going to go to that Pennington, New Jersey event, then you could see where I went to high school. Aww. That's, that's, you can be weird. 
and go see where I went to high school. But yeah, yeah. um, check out Street Pass Princeton on Facebook. Is it yes. just, it's just under Street Pass Princeton? Yeah, if you look at uh, Street Pass Princeton, New Jersey, actually. Oh, okay. Street Pass so, Princeton, New Jersey on, yeah. on the Facebook. Street Pass Princeton, New Jersey. And, um, oh, oh yeah, so there's Street Pass groups all around the world and, uh, I, I've got to visit a couple of them. Um, Philadelphia, there's a pretty cool bunch of people, but unfortunately. I haven't, I haven't been to anything in Philly, didn't, or no, that kind of dissipated, didn't it? It did. Uh, what happened was, it's kind of unfortunate what happened, and I, I, I will, uh, bear the details to a minimum, but unfortunately the group leader there, who's kind of like going through some life changes and he ended up going back to Maryland to pursue his, uh, his career in, uh, what's it called? In like art. And I remember we were playing together when we had Resident Evil Mercenaries. Oh, what a great game. And, I mean, it is and it isn't. There is some pro. I mean, the gameplay is great. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it is, it is a little on the light side, but I, I had a lot of fun with that game. I mean, I think it's fun, like, cooperatively. Like, yeah. I had my friend on Skype uh, from, uh, and we were playing, and it was like, okay, back to back. And we would be, like, shooting off all the guys. We were like, okay. You go that way, and I go this way. <laughs> They're like, I'm down! I'm hit! Okay, I'm coming! Are you okay? And and we would just run around, and, and it was crazy, because I remember, like, but the synergy of, like, working together. Ugh, you know. it's Some people don't realize how, how much fun it is to, like, have that more in a land game than it is, like, online. So, you know, it, it's tricky because, like, Nintendo kind of has a weird history with online games. Well, yeah, um, I mean, because why, why play Smash Brothers online if you've got people around? Like, oh, what's yeah. the point of that? Definitely. Um, that's kind of where, I mean, I guess maybe I'm Nintendo, n- loyal to Nintendo to a fault in how much I like local multiplayer. Um, but I would also argue that there's a lot of good local multiplayer that's not just on Nintendo systems. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, I, I also uh, would uh, play other games, too. I mean, I played PlayStation and Xbox, and, and they all have great games, but... Yeah. You know, Nintendo has the best ones, though. I Nintendo mean, let's be has real. some pretty good ones, though. <laughs> Although I, I am partial to Final Fantasy, though. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, then you got you got your theater rhythm. You got your. The- you know what, though? I was thinking the other day, they should do a theater rhythm Pokemon, or a theater rhythm Mario, or Zelda, or Zelda. Oh my or just God. theater rhythm Nintendo. Did you? Could you imagine how I, theater rhythm? I would probably quit playing video games and just play that game forever. Yeah. Um, I mean, I already love theater rhythm, and to be completely honest, while I think the Final Fantasy music across the board is pretty good, um, I don't really care about half of that series, at least, as far as the actual games. But if For they were Final to, like, Fantasy? pull out a theater rhythm Zelda game, yeah. I pretty much love all of those games. So, oh, that would be wonderful. Oh, my God. I, You know what, though? But when I was playing theater rhythm Final Fantasy Curtain Call, I was playing, there's a one track you unlock... And it's the one that's like the culminating one, where it's like all of the the games, and it takes little sound bits, oh, yeah, yeah, little yeah, music, yeah. and you play it, and it has bits of like, I guess, uh, like theme of love. It has terrace theme, and it doesn't have terrace theme. I don't think it has terrace theme, but it had something from uh, six, then it had something from seven, then eight, and then nine, and I don't know why ten and nine are like my favorite ones. Yeah, I was just, uh, I mean, I guess at this point, we're just kind of talking about whatever. Uh, I was trying yeah. to play Final Fantasy X on my Vita yeah. uh, recently, and I, I played that game a long time ago, probably like 10 years ago. Realized yeah. how much I didn't like that game. <laughs> um, 
I think, I mean, I mean, it is one of those ones where, like, the, the voice acting, because of when it came out, it was when voice acting in games was real rough. Yeah. And, and I don't think it's held up as well. But Makalania Temple. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but 9, 9 is tremendous. Um, I think that's my favorite of the PlayStation 1 Final Fantasy games. Yeah, I enjoy Melodies of Life. That's one of my fa- my favorite. I don't know why. I kind of tear up slightly whenever I hear it. I'm just, I'm, you know, I, I keep thinking back to it. And I'm just like... Like, imagine if they just took, like, that Zelda concert and just made a theater rhythm game around the songs in that. God. And I, I had music events. Like, we'd have events where I, I'd bring in someone to play, like, songs. And, and it's all about, like, listening to it. And it brings you back to, like, a place or, or a time that you remembered. Because everything about a game, from the graphics to the sound, it has an effect. It has an experience on you. And oh, yeah. It will, it will and, then, and then when you hear you. that music again, you kind of recall that event. That's why I'll listen to Zelda music and just be like, well, now I have to go home and play Wind Waker. That's that's how this night has to end. I mean, even like even Mario Kart 7, oh my, Mario Kart 8, I mean, that Donut Plains track, that's like very like mariachi music. I, yeah. I enjoy it. I'm just like... All the, all the saxophones, the beautiful saxophones in Mario Kart 8. So cool. I just, you know, I love what they're doing, like, with, like, everything. Uh, you know, they're trying to, like, reinvent themselves. And, and that's the thing. Like, Nintendo doesn't want to, like, release, like, a Madden every year. They don't I mean, they release re- a Pokemon every year. They do. <laughs> but the thing about Pokemon is that it's more of a spin-off. They don't try to, like, release, like, the main series every year. Yeah, that is true. So, I mean, you don't see them coming. It's only Gen 6, and it's been how many years? Like 20 years? So it's only six generations in 20 years. That's not too bad. Oh, it's wow. not no, like we are we are closing in on the 20th anniversary of Pokemon. What the? God, where did life go? Right? <laughs> I think it's, yeah, I think it came out in 95 in Japan. Yeah. Like, it didn't come to the States until 98. So we're a couple years away from, from the 20th anniversary of the States, but I... Yeah. I think, I think like Pokemon Green or wherever that first one was, I think it came out in 95 in Japan. Yeah, Green and, uh, Green and, I want to say Red? Yeah, yeah Green and, and then, red. and then, yeah, cause I know, I know Green was one of the original ones. Yeah. And then they had like the updated version, cause Green was real, real chanky. Yeah, it was. And then they had like three versions of like Pokemon Stadium, and the first yeah. one didn't come out in, uh, America. Yeah. It, there was the second one that was the first one, and the third one, in Amer- the second one in America was completely different. So, I remember playing those mini games as a kid. The Chansey one, the the one where you are the, the Eevee, where you try to, like, faint away. <laughs> so, I guess, uh, as we, as we kind of move towards wrapping this up, I mean, just kind of taking a broader picture, uh, what are you excited for from Nintendo in 2015? Uh, I'm pretty excited for... The new Star Fox game. I've always been a huge fan of Star Fox, and I would memorize all of the the lines when I was a kid, and I knew how to do some of the impressions like Pigma Dangar. Daddy squealed real good. Daddy screamed real good before he <laughs> died. You you did it better than me. <laughs> I tried. I tried. I'll, uh, I'll like, give that one to you. <laughs> Slippy would be like, "Whoa, can you make it?" <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I'm super stoked for Star Fox on Wii U. Uh, that uh, I believe it was recently confirmed in one of those Miyamoto YouTube interviews that we were talking about earlier. 
Was it um, the Smosh one, probably? probably yeah, I think Smosh. it was a Smosh one that uh, yeah. Miyamoto made the comment that it will be playable at E3, which is one of those, like, no, no duh, if it's coming out this year, it'll be playable at E3, but it's still, yeah. it's still nice to think that in, like, five months at a minimum, like, we'll be playing the new Star Fox game. Yeah. And it'll, it'll, it looks like it's actually coming out this year. It's not going to get delayed. I hope not. Yeah. The only problem is, like, I know Nintendo wants to keep things under wraps, and I don't blame them, honestly, because there's just so much, like, leaks of this and yeah. that. I mean, and look at Smash Brothers. Yeah, it would be it would be nice if we could just keep the integrity on the leaks, you know? I, I know people want to, like, they want the, the biggest thing, they want to make the biggest viral news, and... And we have to remember that they're they're a company and they they want to do things at their own pace and and even though we want to do our own thing there there has to be a right balance and and sometimes we just have to let them do their own thing. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I think that's a I think that's a good thing to go out on. Um, yeah. So uh thank you Nick uh for for donating to the Nintendo Force Kickstarter. Thank you. Um and and coming on and talking about through pass groups and all sorts of fun stuff. Yeah. Um, I guess I, I, I might see you at PAX East, I assume? I, I hope so. I proposed a panel. I really hope it gets submitted. It's for Smash Brothers. And the panel that I, uh, submitted, it's gonna have, uh, Max from Hitbox Arena. I have okay, my friend cool. Abdallah. I have D1. D1 wants to do it. Even the winner of, like, um, the winner of the national, uh, uh, what the 3ds thing? That yeah, he for? he wants to do it. Oh, cool! So, I forget what was that guy's name again. Samuel Busby. Yeah, yeah. So his his name is Da Buzz. Yep. Yeah. So he was a hell of a Rosalina player. He was, and I was like, "Wow, Rosalina is really good." Yeah, I went I went home from that event and was basically just like, "Well, gonna play as Rosalina. Didn't do that before." Yeah. But I have to try this out. Definitely. So yeah, if uh, Pax East uh, accepts it. You know, great. If they don't, no, but if they do, it'll be a, an amazing panel. Yeah. I mean, hopefully we will both be panelists again. Um, I think, I think I've mentioned it before, uh, Nintendo Air might be making its return to PAX East, and, and there's another one that I'm cooking up with some indie developers that, you know, we'll see what happens. I think we'll find out maybe later this month. Probably on the earlier side, because PAX East is way earlier than it was last year. Yeah, I know. It's in, in March. Uh, did you talk to Morrison at all? Because he's an indie developer. Well, I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I have, I have a rough panel list. Um, I have ideas. Uh, okay. That's cool. Um, but yeah, uh, I think that just about does it. So thank you so much. And, uh, I'll see you at PAX East, I guess. I'll see you at PAX East as well. Thank you, Neil. All right. Bye. Bye. All right, and that will do it for episode 163 of Connectivity. As always, you can send your listener mail and music suggestions for our next music segment to connectivity at nintendoworldreport.com. Be sure to rate and review us on iTunes if you haven't done that yet, and follow all of us on Twitter. Go to nintendoworldreport.com, look for the Twitter sidebar on the right-hand side of the page, and you can find all of our usernames there. We will see you next week.